welcome to Minute 63 of The Great Escape Minute, the daily podcast where we dig into The Great Escape one minute at a time. I'm Tom. And I'm Rob. And joining us again today is Richard Kirkham from Kirkham, A Movie Day, and he's also the host of The Lambcast. How are you doing today, Richard? I'm doing great. Hey, everybody. Glad to be back again for another day watching The Great Escape one minute at a time. Well, we're glad you could join us again today. 63 starts with Colin whistling, and it ends with him saying the voice is a monotonous succession of scratchy, complaining notes. This minute, by and large, is a lesson on birds. Um, <laughs> specifically, the mass shrike. Um, I did a cursory look, and everything Colin says about the mass shrike looks to hold true. Um, I didn't do a lot of research on the bird, mostly because I heard Shrike, and I immediately thought of the Minnesota Shrike from the Hannibal series. And that... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, 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 I know. It's also because I'm from Minnesota. So every time Minnesota can get a pop culture reference, I'm on board. Um, Yeah, so we get, you know an insight into how they're lulling the guards into thinking they're being good, well-behaved prisoners and not planning anything nefarious whatsoever. And, you know, this also ties back into when we met Colin and, you know, we established that he's the bird watcher. So I thought that it's an interesting way to tying all of those things together. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, the whole, the, first of all, you know, he's able to sketch a bird really well, especially if it's from memory, unless, unless it's one of the books they have in the library. I mean, uh, Richard, we discussed this a few times that they, you know, whenever they show them in the library, there's a whole uh, slew of them on the wall. You know, we were trying to figure out what type of books are there besides, like, numerous copies of Mein Kampf. Uh, <laughs> it appears that there was a bird watching book, at least. Apparently, because, yep. you know, and and, and we, we, they've also established that they're able to get uh, colored chalk. You know, they're, they're, they're willing to, to let they, they get a chalkboard, they get chalk, they can they can give lectures on, on, on birds. Well, one of the things that I noticed on this, and this is the first time I've seen this movie dozens of times. And, you know, one of the advantages of looking at it minute by minute is it forces you to think about things that you might not have considered otherwise. The amount of documents that they would have had to produce in order for all of those prisoners to be able to have something to show, if necessary, would be overwhelming. How could they all do that? And certainly Colin can do that all by himself, especially given his vision problems. And it's right there in front of us. Everybody in that class has drawing material that they can use. Everybody in that class is ultimately going to be part of the production of these falsified documents. And the fact that they have these drawing materials for the purpose of making pictures of birds is, you know, an interesting side note, but it's really the, uh, the, you know, the, the subterfuge to being able to do mass produce large numbers of, uh, fake documents. And I, I just thought I had never thought about that before. And, uh, I thought about it only after seeing this scene. Right. Okay. So the uh, the book obviously discusses this in more detail. They 
you know, they, they say that that the, the forging was actually one of the slowest businesses of of uh, that that they had to deal with at the time, because one of the problems with with forging, if you're if you're creating a document and you make one little mistake, that's it. You got to start from scratch. You know, you 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 it it makes it a lot more difficult to to do. They they say that you know sometimes they someone will be working on a document for days, and uh, you know you do one careless little thing and that's it. You know you don't have you've lost all of those days of work. So they mention in the book that basically some of the documents would take some of these forgers who were quite skilled. They would work five hours a day every day. It would take them an entire month to create one document, which is which is astounding. You know that they, you know the, the amount of detail that they would they would need for all these things. They said they have they had fifty forgers plus the stooges who were they were all working three to five hours a day for an entire year. They were actually able to also get stamps. They they were able to create Nazi stamps with swastikas and titles and signatures that they used for all of all their documents and stuff like that. And so they basically think here that that they were made something like I think four hundred documents. Well, look, we're looking at the factory floor right here in this scene. <laughs> exactly. Right. Now, I, I have noticed this before. You know, for, for me, it was, uh, you know, you, you see that, that they all have teams of, of uh, you know, doing all their work. I mean, we saw it with, with Sedgwick, you know, where he has his whole team of, of manufacturers. And obviously, you see the, the stoolies, you know, how they all, uh, you know, how there's, there, there are many of them. Uh, Griffith also has a whole uh, group of, of, of people, uh, we'll probably discuss that later this week, you know, helping him uh, create all of all of the, the clothes that he did. So, I mean, there, there were a lot of people working in each of these groups within the X organization to try to get uh, everything uh, taken care of. I, I just find it completely nuts that they, they were able to, to create 400 different documents for 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 the 250 prisoners that, that were getting out. Now, in the book, did it say, and this would also, I'm not entirely sure this would work on all documents, but were they able to use any sort of process similar to, like, check washing in forging documents where they were able to, you know, at least have the generic documents and wash them and then insert their own information in it or was it everything 100% from scratch I think it was pretty much from scratch I don't think they go into detail about that no so I, I can't answer that I'm not, I'm not knowledgeable enough to, to be able to, to to give you an answer on that one but based on based on what I read they did each of them from scratch now, I mean I actually this is this is the first time that I noticed because I, I, I was paying attention to what he what Colin was saying about the the mass strike, and it really sounds as if he's alluding to to the Germans. I, did Did you guys think about what he was saying? Well, I I think they picked the bird just so they could get that last line of the minute in about it. But it's not just that last. Well, line. think about all of the all of the lines that he says about the the mass strikes. First of all, it's called the butcher bird. Okay, that's well, the nickname. That I, I don't know, sound like a, just a mere coincidence. No, of course not. I mean, I I, I don't know uh, Latin well enough to tell you what Lanius Nubicus means. Do either, either of you know any Latin? Besides, it's saying that it's the the, the mass strike, you know. Or maybe maybe Lumen, maybe Lanius Nubicus means the butcher bird. 
That that I don't know. But they said the strike impels his foes on the spikes of thorn bushes. Okay, and he goes, not a very lovable character. And he says you can look at their coloring. Okay, did you did you listen to to what they said about the coloring? That it's completely black from head to toe. Okay, they have a black rump, a black crown. There's a bold white flash. I don't really know what that means. Maybe maybe they're talking about the you know the like the breast is 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 white. Maybe I don't know. And a white line over the eye. And then they say that it usually lives in lightly wooded country. Again, they're in a PW camp in a lightly wooded area. Okay. And then, and then he gets interrupted. The Bapo uniform. Exactly. Yeah. That that's my point here. No, it is <laughs> definitely. And then, and then he continues and says that 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 uh, he 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 once again states that they live in the lightly wooded country, olive groves or gardens. Um, you know, we discussed. I think it was last week. The, the you know the gardening that they were doing, or maybe it was two weeks ago. And then, and then then he has the the the, the then he talks about the voice is a monotonous succession of scratchy complaining notes, <laughs> and he says this right after Frick, you know, leaves the as he's leaving the room. So I I think that this is this is all purposely put in there to to make it again. I'm not not a uh, an expert on birds, so I can't really tell you. But it really sounds as if he's using that information here to, to describe the, the German captors. He didn't do it deliberately. You've just created a very good college paper for your English class. <laughs> so uh, that, That's true. That's true. And, and I, it, it's funny, the, the conversation between Frick and Henley. I mean, again, they, they've, they've already established that, that, that these uh, characters have been in the camp for for a, a little bit of time, you know, maybe it's been two weeks, maybe it's been a month, you know, it's it's gotten to be enough time that that the guards know where people are, or, you know, what where what barracks they're supposed to be in. They know some of them by names. I mean, Frick actually calls Henley Henley. He says to him, you know, I did. What, what was the line that he says? I didn't think uh, you'd you'd uh, enjoy birds, something like that. What's the line specifically? Well, Henley, have you taken to birds too now? You know, and his answer is stick around. You might learn something, which is which is a great line because if he really would stick around, he would learn a lot. <laughs> you know, that's the way that's the way you learn how we're you know how we're forging documents. Just stick around. So I have a translation update for you. Nubicus okay. does translate from Latin as mast. Mass. Okay. So that's good. And then bonus, yeah, possible translations is butcher, executioner, meat man, or shrike. So. Well, actually, what does shrike mean? I does shrike mean? I, I, no. Because, I translated the Latin. No. I understand that. No. My point is, is that, that, that it's called a mass shrike, which is sometimes called a butcher bird. But those are, those are, both those words are used as you translate the Latin. So my question then is, is, you know, does shrike mean butcher? That's my question here. No, I appreciate that, 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 that you took the time to, to, to find the translation. Don't, I'm not belittling you at all with that. So, Webster, any of numerous usually, I mean, it's just talking about the family of birds. First known usage is in 1544, the above 
in the meaning defined above, which is the birds. So it might be one of those quasi-Latin things that they just made up when they were putting animals into, or putting living beings into the uh, pyramids that I can't remember the biology name of right now. Right. Well, right. actually, what I just, I'm looking I at would... is that uh, Lannis is derived from the Latin word for butcher. So, you know, there is a pretty direct line there to calling it the butcher bird. Right. I mean, I also found here that it, that that it says that that not only do they impale their prey on sharp thorns, they they, they because their their uh, beaks are sharply hooked and they're raptor-like. They they uh, they kill their prey that way also. So we're we're learning a lot about birds. Yeah, this, and, this, and they are carnivorous. Yeah, very interesting. Who would have thought that we would have a bird lesson today? <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who about watched this minute? <laughs> no, because again, the question is whether anybody you know would have noticed that. I mean, I, as as Richard said, he's he's seen this movie dozens of times. I've seen this movie dozens of times. You know, this is something I never paid attention to because I was like. Who the hell cares about what bird they're talking about? I didn't even think that there was any significance. And apparently there is. I guess this was just another way for them to goad the uh, the Germans along the way. I mean... The boar one right tricks. out of the room. Exactly. Well, <laughs> again, this this might go back to the fact that his, his English isn't that great, so he doesn't understand that they're making fun of him. You know, it's the same same way that in, uh, you know, Hogan's Heroes and Stalag 17, they would make fun of Schultz. And, you know, because he didn't understand English, he didn't really realize that they're making fun of him the whole time. And But but Frick's line of, I have better things to do than draw birds, is great also. <laughs> like what? <laughs> hey, well, while you're all in here, I'll go steal some coffee from your, from, from your barracks. I'll go take a nap. <laughs> well, do either of you have anything else for this minute? I have nothing to contribute else other than that, what we've talked about. No, no, no. But uh, again, I think this was this is probably one of the most enlightening episodes that that, that we've discussed so far because because we've really delved into something that we never thought we would. <laughs> so thank you guys for that. <laughs> oh, <was> my pleasure. <laughs> Richard, do you want to tell everyone where they can find you? Well, once again, I can be located at Kirkham, a movie a day. And uh, you can also go to the LAM website. That's the large association of movie blogs. And the uh, podcast that I host is uh, published there. And you can find it on all of your uh, podcasting uh, sources. So if you guys are interested in listening to uh, the LAM cast, we're easy to find also. Or even joining the LAM cast. Yes, that you would know, be great. <laughs> Uh, well, we're always looking for new members for the Lamb. So, if anyone wants to become a member of the Lamb, get in touch with Richard or with me. You know, we can we can we can set you up. We steer you in the right direction. That's right. Get you a badge. <laughs> <laughs> Forge uh, some documents. <laughs> well, while you're out checking that out, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast on whatever podcatcher you use. Give us a five-star review as well, even if you hate us. We promise we'll look at all the five-star reviews. So if you tell us we suck, we'll look at it. If you give us a one-star, I can't guarantee you we'll look at it. So, I'll look at it. I'll look at it. 
Oh, well, I'm only going to look at five stars. So if you think I'm really bad, make sure you leave us a five star and I'll know about it. If you want to get in touch with us otherwise, our email address is thegreatminute at gmail.com. You can follow us at, on Twitter at greatescapemxm. You can join our Facebook group, The Cooler, or you can check out our website, greatescapeminute.com. Until tomorrow, tally-ho. 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 Tally-ho.